We've been on a preaching series on worship, and the title of this series is, Where Your Treasure Is, There Your Heart Will Be. It's, it's a phrase that Jesus was talking about. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And my message today is, it's, it's more than a song. Because this series is about worship. And this morning, God is wanting to talk to us or give us a, an understanding that it's more than just a song. John Mick actually started us off last week, and he were exploring the idea of what are, we, what are we even here on earth for? When we think about it, if you think about the grand cosmic universe and think about how big it is, millions and billions and billions of stars, and then in the midst of all this, you have a little tiny itty-bitty planet with people, and yet... In creation, he says, this is the, at, at, the, at the pinnacle of creation, he says, it was very, very good when he made you and I. So the question is, why are we here? And John did a great job sharing that the Bible declares that we are unique in uh, creation because we are worshipers. We're made in the image of God and have the capacity to have relationship with him. So human beings, which men and women are made, you are created for worship. To bring actually pleasure to God's heart. More than anything in all of the cosmos, anything that you bring such delight to the Lord. That's why you were created. The issue, obviously, is that sin has broken that relationship to God and our worship to Him. So, and if you missed that message, please listen to it online. I'm just kind of continuing of what John had spoke from last week. So, now, I'm going to ask you, what word or phrase comes to your mind when you hear the word worship? What word or phrase when you hear the word worship comes to your thought? Love. Pray. Singing. Hymns. Praise. Praise the Lord. Going to church. Music. Singing together. Exalting God, thinking about heaven, praise. Those were actually all the top words that when people were asked what, why, or what, when you think of worship, one word or phrase, all those became the, the main thoughts that people gave. But, and so generally speaking, you'll notice there's a theme. It's always about songs, singing. Well, during the Christmas break, uh, my wife and I and our family went to Arizona, and we, uh, we went as our family to another church. And it was so interesting being in a different church. Have you ever gone to a different church? Anyone? Okay. Okay. So uh, we were there, and as we, uh, we went to the church and been there and, we, and had the worship experience and all that stuff, we then got in the car, and it was interesting. As soon as we got in the car, suddenly we started talking about the, what we just experienced, the church. And it was interesting. We were thinking, what do you think? Well, we started going, well, how friendly was the church? How are the facilities? It was interesting. We were talking about, those were the first things. Like, man, it was a big building. It was huge. Uh, I grabbed a welcome bag, and I'm talking, this welcome bag was, like, amazing. It had every single thing. I thought I had gone to, like, uh, like, gift, like some sort of gift shop and got this incredible, like, it had lotions and everything. It was amazing. Well, I, 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 it was... I got this thing, and I looked at, at the announcements. I was checking everything out. And then I was like, oh, man, did you see? They had an orchestra. They had a full-on orchestra. 
At the worship point, there was like on the stage, there was this big massive screen that went across here. And so all the words were on the bottom of the screen, not up there. And there was an orchestra full on. Like I was like, wow, that was awesome. But I also said, you know, but they didn't have a greeting time. Man, I miss, I love that greeting time. I love that I go, in my church, we do a greeting time. And and then I thought, you know what? There was really no room for anyone to have any prophetic. There was, there was, it was, there was absolutely no room for that. Man, I don't, wow. And I said, where was the youth? Man, there was a lot of old people in there. (laughs) I I was thinking, what? No, I don't know, and. And all of these centered around, all my thoughts, I thought, man, it's big, and I prefer the small. And everything I started thinking about became about my worship experience. It was then when I was having a discussion with someone later that the thought dawned on me, did I worship God? Did I actually worship the Lord? See, I know that worship is more I know it's more than, than all these things that you could experience at church, but it was interesting, but my mind had gravitated to all of that, that church was all of these things, facilities, or a, a worship band, or, or uh, announcements, and all this stuff. But the question was, did I even worship the Lord? See, I know that in practice, we know that we're meant to be worshipers, and we know it's more than a song, but I do believe this, we need to know what what is actually what the Bible tells us worship is, because it's so easy to get off from that. You see, the word worship comes from the idea of worth. If you say worship, the word actually comes from the idea of worth, which means value. What do we find worthy of our affections? To worship means really actually to what do you bow to before what you would bow to someone. Especially in the Old Testament, it was you thought somebody worthy, a king, you would literally get down low. Because you are now in a place where they have all great, all honor. Worship is really actually what are you bowing to? What are you wanting to give uh, praise and and, and adoration? What is worthy of your praise this morning? That's what worship is asking. See, the crazy part is we can worship lots of things. Sometimes we can be worshiping ourselves. Sometimes we can be worshiping a thing or a person or fame or a culture or even our country or anything. We have the capacity to want to worship. And what I found interesting in this is we can, we can even actually worship a worship experience and not actually worship the Lord. So this morning, I, I just want to ask that question, Lord, what, what is worship? And Jesus taught about worship in John chapter 4. What happened in this in John chapter 4 is he encounters a woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and it starts with Jesus intentionally meeting her. He goes on a mission to talk to this lady, um, and it was a divine appointment. And what happens is this, he goes up to her and he says, hey, can I have a drink? And basically Jesus is saying, hey, can you bless me? 
And so a conversation starts from Jesus asking that question. And during the discussion, she asked Jesus a question about worship. And so we have our scripture here now. If you have your Bible, please read along in your word. I put this up if you don't have a Bible. Then, but I really want to encourage you to read your Bible. Open it up. Nancy's nodding her head. She's like, amen, preach it, pastor. We get so used to this, but I want you to be able to know that it's actually from in your word. You can have a device, put on an app, read it. Because I'll tell you what will happen. While you're reading, and if you don't have a Bible, I put it up there for you, but you read it, God will speak to you. And if you jump ahead of a couple verses, or behind a couple verses, I don't care. God might bless you and show you something that I don't preach on. So, but during the question, this is what she asked Jesus about worship. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all these things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Imagine this. The ladies come up to you and say, hey, Jesus, I have a question. What is worship? Is it on this mountain? Is it in this temple? Is, this what, is it what we're doing And Jesus, I want to ask you, how are we to worship? That's what she's asking. And Jesus gives her an answer. He he, he actually answers. He says, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. He is actually telling us what is worship. What is worship? And so this morning, I want to unpack that. Because if we're talking about worship, if we were created to worship, then are we worshiping properly? Do we even know what worship is? Are we even engaging in that capacity that's there? Maybe we could even having false worship. Well, let's explain. The first thing that Jesus, what I want to highlight, that true, what true worship is, is he says worship starts with God. Worship actually has to come from the starting place with here. He says, the Father is seeking worshipers. See, the most important thing to, to, that he, unpacking this is that God is actually seeking worshipers this morning. And many people actually stumble over that thought. Because it actually seems very contradictory to the sorts of idea of love. In other words, this explains like this. Is God a megalomania? Is he full of himself? Uh, the definition, if you don't know what megalomania is, that's uh, John Mick likes using these $5 words, and, and I don't ha- understand what he said, so I'm explaining what megalomania is. Megalomania is this, a delusional mental illness that is marked by feelings of personal op- op- omnipotence. So you are all that in a bag of chips. And of grandeur and egotism. Why does God make it all about him? 
Why does he think he's the center of the universe? Well, you see, this is the, the truth. God is actually demanding our worship. The first commandment is, you shall love the Lord God with, and you shall love no other gods. You shall have no other gods before me. The very first commandment. No, no one is allowed to be able to be worshipped. Nothing is to go beyond me. Nothing. That, whoa. Now, how, how, how could you even, like, why do you get the right to say that? Because obviously you and I are not allowed to be worshipped. Angels are not allowed to be worshipped. Creation is nothing in creation, yet God is allowed to be worshipped. And then this is how we know that Jesus is God. Because when worship comes to Jesus, he says, it's okay. It's okay for you to worship me because I'm not an angel. I am the son of God. I am God. Uh, people wonder why can you, if, if you think about it, that's why we think of the Trinity because God, Jesus is able to be worshipped because he is God. No other worship can go to anywhere else. Well, here's why it's allowed because, see, we have this God-shaped vacuum inside us that can only be filled by God. We were created for worship. And so God's greatest gift to you is going, guess what? You worship me and you get fulfilled. You were created for this, so the reason I'm telling you to do this is because this will be how you get satisfied. Nothing else can satisfy eternally. And that's what John Mick, if you get listen to the message. You could have all the money in the world and you still actually feel like you have nothing. You could have all the fame. You could have every single pleasure. Solomon did. And he found that he had nothing. So when we come to it, God's saying, I want to give you what will only fulfill me. Worship me. You were created for me. So I'm seeking people who will worship me. So God is seeking worship. He's looking for people who will acknowledge his worth and it will translate to obedience. That's what it looks like for worship. And this means it goes way beyond a Sunday morning experience. This is about actually our lives. Worship is not about compartmentalizing to just do something on Sunday. It's actually lived out. And I'll explain it. In a, when I, we start doing a thing, we do a thing called Gateway 100, which is teaching about what do we actually believe and value. Uh, we, it was a, a course that we call, it's cha- it's, the name is Gateway Foundations, it's now going to be Gateway 100. And we talk about our real big value is worship. We believe we're meant to worship. We talk about this, and we, but we want to unpack it because worship has become, what do you mean by that? And I explain to him by giving a story about me. And how worship got unpacked for me. You see, I came to Gateway all the way from the Yukon because God called me to be with this people and to serve and to worship him. So when I first came to Gateway, I had left the Yukon and I thought I was going to someplace warmer, the center of Canada. I came in the middle of 2003, in the middle of May, and this is exactly what it looked like. I came to this lush place. The the trees were in bloom. It was gorgeous. I thought, this is why I'm coming to Winnipeg. 
The Lord is, this is my, this is going to be my experience. Well, unlike the paradise that I thought I was coming to, I was absolutely deceived uh, because that winter was the coldest winter on record. It was minus 50. In fact, the National Post wrote this. It's colder in Winnipeg than it's ever been in Scotland, ever. Scotland is famous for its harsh conditions. Who else can explain a culture built around fried food and wool? Regardless, the coldest ever temperature recorded in Scotland is only minus 27.2. And that is on the farthest tip of the north of Scotland. Imagine the experience of those early settlers coming to Winnipeg and having to make a log cabin. They have going, why on earth did we came here? And actually, most of them came because they came because they were looking for a new life. And a lot of them were Christian. But... Even a hearty family from the Scottish Highlands would only have managed to prop and would probably have felt, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? (laughs) And in fact, if I had in that first year, because I came here, and uh, if that, if I look back at my experience going, Lord, it's colder than I, when I came into, I also came into a totally different church, a different culture. In fact, my first year coming to Gateway is I was like, these people are absolutely weird, bonkers. They pray all the time. When do they ever do anything but pray? Uh, I remember think, thinking about it in my eldership when they were talking, and I'm like, yeah, we pray this, and we pray that, and we pray, pray, pray. And I'm like, I was so out of my culture, and I didn't even know what a Mennonite was. <laughs> I came in, and we were as the elders, and I saw the women. One first time, the women go this way, and the men go that way, and I was like, bye, honey. And I, I, didn't, I didn't even have an idea. Well, wait, why do we do that? I was, now, if, again, if you don't know what a Mennonite is, you ask a friend, he'll know. <laughs> but if I had even known all this stuff, because my first year, it was absolutely, I was freaking out. And I actually, I wanted to go back to the Yukon. I really wanted to go back. I wanted to go back to mom and dad, to my family, to what I knew. And if I had even, if somebody showed me that the headline of what was going to be in uh, the CBC News in 2013, if they'd shown me that in, in, at, at that first year, because this is what it read in 2000, December 30, Winnipeg deep freeze as cold as the uninhabited planet. Manitoba Museum reports Winnipeg temperature as cold as the surface of Mars. Norm, you're going to go to a place that you're going to feel like it's Mars. Well, why on earth would I ever come here? And why on earth would I ever be here then? Because worship is not based on your experience. It's not dependent on actually the circumstances or what. It is because you are saying, God, you are worthy to be praised. And it actually comes out of an obedience. God told me to come here and be with these people and to worship with them. Obedience. It's amazing when that takes into effect because worship then becomes a place of not, it's not about me, it's actually about him. I want to be where God wants me to be so I can worship him. And God is looking for people who will seek him like that. They worship him despite the cold. 
Because he's so magnificent and worthy, they actually know, I want to be where you have put me so I will worship you. And they actually will persevere in the craziest places because they're seeking God. And he's looking for them. Well, the next thing we see is this. Jesus explains what true worship is this. It's worship done in the Spirit, right? Father is looking at the kind of worship, the worship that is done in the Spirit. Well, the question that rises, are you, what are you talking about Spirit? Are you talking my Spirit, God, or are you talking about God's Spirit? Are you talking about the Holy Spirit here, Jesus, or are you talking about the authenticity of my Spirit? And do you know what the answer is? Both. Both. Let me explain. You see, you, you need to, in order to worship God in spirit, you need to actually be born again by God's spirit. In John chapter 3, verse 7, Jesus said something. He was talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a teacher of the law. He was asking Jesus about how do you, how do you get to be close? And he said, don't you know? You have to be born again. And he says this, flesh will give birth to flesh, but the spirit will give birth to spirit. You cannot enter the kingdom unless you are born again. Worship comes out of the birthplace of the Spirit of God in us. It is a recognition that we're dead in our sins. We're needing to have Christ make us alive. He died on the cross to bring us life. When we confess our sins and ask him to forgive us, what does he do? He forgives you and then he puts his Spirit in you. See, not only does he forgive you, but he now says, I'm going to put my spirit in you, and now I will live in you. That's what it means to be born again. And that which the spirit is now has the living spirit inside us, our spirit comes to life when you understand it. You ask Jesus to forgive. You said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, come into my life. And he goes, yes, I'm now in your life. And that is the pump behind worship. And... The Spirit is that power to bring life and actually make worship alive. It brings it in, into our dead lives. So when Jesus says that the worship the Father is looking for, we recognize that we need his life in worship. We need him. I am dead without you. And I think about this. There's a couple practical things when you think about worship in spirit on a Sunday morning. See, going to church doesn't mean you've been born again. Do you hear me? Going to church does not necessarily mean you have been born again. You can be at church all your life and never been born again. You can be here because you have been brought up in the church, or you can be here because you came, and in fact, you could never actually had a born-again experience. But here's the good news. It's this easy. Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. I need you. Fill me. That's it? The second thing is being born again is more than a one-time experience. We are continually being born again. We are, continue, we are continually being renewed. John 15 says this, If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So does that mean when I asked Jesus in my life, way back when I was 13, I was born again? Yeah. But then did I stop being born again? He's like, no, 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 no. I got a deal for you. I want you to keep being alive. And if you separate from me, you will wither. 
So this morning, if I'm not connected to Jesus, that means my ability to be reborn or born or renewed is gone. I will wither. Did you know there are many people that come to church and they're withering? It's very possible. Not connected. So God, just as in the beginning, breathed into Adam and gave physical life, God is breathing a spirit into us, into our being, our spiritual life. Today, God wants to breathe into you. Last night, the set free was wild. We were praying for someone, and, and they said, can you come up and pray for receiving of tongues? And so they came up, and I could see they're really like, oh, my, I, 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 okay, how do I do this? And they're freaking out. And I just said, okay, I feel like this. Can you just stop and receive what God wants to give you? That's it. Stop thinking about tongues and all this stuff. Just pray that you, will, you want God's love. So th- this person went, and all, this is all he did. And instantly, they started to just bawl. Because they weren't seeking tongues. They weren't looking for an experience. They were looking for him. And the breath that gave Adam life, that gave Eve life, suddenly came into this person, and they were like, he loves me. I feel renewed. And as I shared what God is speaking, I mean, then they fell over, but I won't go there. It's through his spirit. But we also need to partner with his spirit. Amen? Authentically means mere outward movements of the body. Raising your hands, clapping, or singing a song is not a representation of God's spirit. You hear me that? Those actions are not worship unless it's your spirit declaring he's worthy. It's our inner being responding to God in in delight in him. It's treasuring him. If you guys ask, why does Norm sit up here and just do this? Because I'm sitting there going, Worthy of all the praise we could ever see, we live for you. I actually don't care what you guys think. This is just my response. Like when I'm at a football game and somebody scores a touchdown, I'm like, yeah, come on! Now, for those people who are not very good at showing emotions, I can, if as long as in your heart... Somehow, you know joy, you'll get it. Because I admit, there are people that go, I have a real rough time showing how to do this. Because it's not the outward expression, it's the heart that God is after. I'll explain by this. It's an important truth. It's both. It's not just God's spirit taking over. It's us partnering with him. I'm going to pick on Della, because Della said I could. So last night, or last Sunday, uh, we were here worshiping, and when we did this, it was again, we were in the middle of worship, and in about the second, close to the second end song, I felt the Lord say, I want you to shout, but I didn't. I was kind of like, ah, no, I don't, and I, I actually, and then what happened is the Lord convicted me, and it started actually because... Uh, a couple things, and I'll, I was honest, I went to Ted. Ted was beautiful. Ted just stood there, and he was standing. And I know that maybe when you're, when you're, he didn't do anything. He was just standing there, and he was just worshiping God. And I thought, wow, that is beautiful. Why can't I? And I felt convicted because the other thing was then he brought me back to Audra. We were at the prayer summit on Thursday, that Thursday, and we went to worship, and Audra just, we were in the worship part, and Audra went, ah! Like it was kind of, a, it was a shout, but it was almost a groan. And then that's very biblical because in Romans chapter 8 it says, the spirit within us will give us groanings when we don't even know what to express. 
And so Audra is actually being very scriptural. She just said, I just let out a groan. But we worshiped. I mean, that, that prayer summit was woohoo! Amen? We just were like, this is what I came for. I didn't come just to pray. I came to meet with God, and wow. And so Audra did that, and God said, why did you not do it? And I felt very convicted, so I confessed. And I said, you know what? God, please forgive me. I didn't. And I, and I shouted. And Well, then at the end of the service, Della comes up, because, ma'am, this is about Della, not me. Della comes up and goes, Norm, when you said that, I felt the Lord say to me, I was supposed to bow down. But I was, oh, do I have to? Do I really have to do it? And then she's like, I don't want, you know, it's a little fight going on. Then she looks over, and here's Mary on one knee. And she thought, well, if Mary can, why am I not? And God's speaking to me to do this. So Della, out of her own testimony, said, so I did. I would let my spirit. And what happened, Della? You just said that God just kind of blew you away. I mean, she came up in tears. Holy Spirit just she's now worshiping in spirit, her spirit and God's combined. True worship. True worship. But it's an act of her obedience. Because you know what happened at the end? At the end of the service, we go, let's worship again. And we're going, and God says, will you, will you get down on a knee again? She's like, oh, not the fight again. No, I don't want it. Do I have to do it? Do I really have to do it? And God says, yeah. and she gets down on the knee, and the same thing. That's the worship God wants on Sunday. That's the experience that he's talking about of spirit. Both of us in conjunction in obedience. If you love me, you will obey me. That's it. And so we want to continue to do that. Well, finally, Jesus explains what worship is. The truth is this. Worship done in truth. Why is this important in worship? It's, well... What makes true worshipers is they're treasuring true views of God and living in truth. In other words, false views of God is not worship, nor is truth compartmentalized. What I mean by this, worship coming out of true views of God is, it, worship actually comes out of good theology. Dave Perry would love me for saying this. Worship, at its essence, is because of good theology. See, if you respond with grand displays of emotion to a false view of God, this is not worshiping the true God. Theology is always serving doxology. Our understanding and knowledge is what fuels why I do what I'm doing. Truth and thinking is serving our affections. See, the commandments are summed as loving God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your will. Do you know sometimes I worship God with my stubbornness, my will? But it's more than that. It's also my heart, my emotions, and my mind. So I think like this. This is important because a Muslim coming into a church singing a song doesn't mean they're worshiping Jesus. Because it doesn't come of an understanding of who Jesus is. That's not worship. Worship is in truth and knowing truth. You see, worship is because of who you believe who Jesus is. He's worthy to be praised. He's good. And knowing God is is how you are living out that true worship. I'll give you an example like this. This is how it plays out. If uh, if a complete stranger came up to you and said, Hey, I want to give you, can you please take $10,000? Please go deposit to a bank. Please, can you do this? I know what your response would be. Whoa, wait a second. 
Um, what kind of nut are you? Is this a scam? Am I on a camera? A complete stranger comes up to you and says, here, here's 10, can you take the $10,000 go put it in the bank? And you would actually even be tempted to say, thank you, and run. <laughs> Let's be honest, $10,000. Well, you don't know me. How do you, well, you see, because you'd be asking the question, I don't know you, and what, why would you be doing this? You'd have all these questions. Let's change that like this. Let's change it a little bit different. You say, why are you doing this? Person comes up, gives you $10,000, says, can you please deposit this? Why are you doing this? He says, I've worked in the same office with you, although you've, we've never been introduced. I have, I have to get this debo- deposit to the bank before it closes, or I'll lose my house. But I have to take my wife to the hospital. I have seen how you work, and I know how you handle things. I think I can trust you. How do you react and feel now? What's the difference You know a truth, and you know more, and so now you feel honored. You feel, maybe, yes, I can do this. You might still have a little bit more hesitancy, but you'd be actually more willing to go and deposit, because you have truth. You have more understanding of what was going on. That's the same thing, what fuels us in worship. Truth. I'll even give you a better truth. What if your dad came to you and said, can you please put this money in the bank? I have to take mom to the hospital, but we need to get this in. Would you even question? Maybe if you don't know your dad or you have hesitancy and you don't think he's good or maybe you have a, a bad view of dad, you don't trust him because, you, because again, you have no understanding. But for those that go, he's a good dad, you wouldn't even hesitate. You would just go in because you know him. You know him. That's the same thing with worship. Worship out of truth is out of what you know. And if you don't know Jesus, you can't worship him the way that he wants you to. I think like this, your response out of truth is what you know, and so it is wrapped in that. So worship comes out of knowing God, his truth, who he is, what you know, he is worthy to be praised, he is this, this, that's, that's the, do, the theology of it. But the other part is this, worship comes out of being true, in other words, authentic emotions. And this is where it gets interesting, because in Matthew 15, Jesus talking to the Pharisees and scribes, he talks about their worship. And this is what he says in verse 6b. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines and the commandments of men. Did you know there's such thing as vain worship? There is such thing as hypocrites in worship. And what hypocrite is, it was a term that was used for in back then as a stage actor. There were people that would put on a play and what they'd do is they'd put on a mask so that they would become somebody different. An actor. Jesus is telling the Pharisees and the scribes, those that were in worship, going, you are acting. You are not being authentic or real. Or at least you are compartmentalizing. You worship this, but then you flip on the next day. That's not what God is talking about. He's talking about truth what is happening in here in you? 
you can, ha- you can actually go and do something out of simple tradition. You can go to church, give your tithe, sing a song, and still miss out on worship. Because you're not worshiping in truth. That's the scary part. That's what J- J- our Matthew 15 is talking about. Jesus saying, I don't want that. I want your heart in you. And so we have this understanding. We want to make plain the emotions and the spiritual affections of the heart. We need to be there or else worship isn't there. If your heart was not engaged, you didn't actually worship. I like this because it's that trueness that God is after, the worship he's looking for, your trueness. And that he says, we all can talk about, it's, I'm not talking about emotions that's the shouting, jumping, clapping. These are all expressions. Those are expressions of that. Those are expressions of what's supposed to be going on in here. We're talking about having spiritual affections, which is this. It's Psalm 38. It says, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. That's his invitation this, this morning. This morning, he simply said, I want to show you an invitation. Worship me, and I will t- show you how good I am. That's it. Worship, at its essence, is you understanding a truth that I want to taste and see that God is good this morning. Because he's inviting us to that. In fact, when you think of Moses, that's what Moses did. Moses had this encounter with God. He says, Lord, I want to see your glory. I want to see you. I want to meet in your presence. And this is in Exodus 33. God, I want you. And guess what God says to him? I will show you all my glory. And all my goodness will pass before you. And I loved when we were talking about being thankful and stuff. Because this is what was cool. Jesus, you don't have to prove anything about how good you are. You've already did it on the cross. And so, this is what holds us. It's that invitation. These are where our emotions come from. God actually wants us to bring him our heart. And it's, it's more than just a song. And for that, like I said, some of it would be difficult. Because how do I show my emotions? Well, it comes out of this. It's when you know there's joy. I'll give you an example, joy, and why joy would be the best indication of an emotional response. You see, um, I've shared this before. You guys don't know, but my passion or thing that I love is these little caramel goodies called toffee fee or toffee fee, whatever you want to call it. I call them toffee fee. Well, what happened is I shared this preaching about how I delight in these things, and uh, one of our friends came and bought us this last couple weeks ago a box of these things. I only am allowed to buy these once a year. Once a year am I allowed to delight in these little goody things because here's what happened. When I got this box, we demolished a entire box in two days. Two days. If I have this every day, I will be 500 pounds. I will not... I, Because there's a response that happens with these silly things. When I got these things, it was interesting. My wife was laughing at me because I put it in. I went, Now, here's the interesting. Why did I, why was my response that way? You see, it wasn't because I was trying to impress the person who gave me these toffee fee. They weren't even there. The simple fact is joy is for one simple fact of reason. It's so that you have joy. It's a means to its own end. The reason you have joy is so you just get joy. 
It's not about trying to get something from somebody else. It's not so that you're pleasing something else. When God says, enjoy me, he's going, because I want you to have a good time. And what happened, I found very interesting, is that's my response. It's not that I'm trying to perform. It's not a decision. It's a natural response. I either have it or I don't. You cannot fake loving God. You can't. And if you have that emotion of joy, I know it because it will be in there that comes out. So I want to close with this thought. Jesus, how are we to worship? And we're going to finish this by closing in a song and ask the worship team to come on up right now. As I share this uh, story. So it gives you a little bit of context of why I want to close in the song. Matt Redman wrote the song, I'm Coming Back to the Heart of Worship. And Matt actually started out not knowing how to read or write music. He was just a young guy that he liked poetry and stuff. But his youth pastor said, I think you have a gift. And so his youth pastor encouraged him, saying, can you do this? Can you... And he started to, in front of his youth group, he was 15 or 16 years old, and then suddenly uh, he was doing this in front of many people. And in fact, in a few years, it was this thing called Soul Survivor Hit. It was like a phenomenon, and Matt was now in in front of tens of thousands of young people leading worship. Thousands of people. Imagine that, just, this this is what I'm doing. I'm leading tens. Now, what happened was this. He was in his church at Welford, England, England, and the pastor said, guys, I want to know, we, we love to worship song, but I think we need to refocus and make sure we're not leaning on all the props. So what the pastor said, is, he goes, we're going to do this. I feel that we have missed the mark in worship. We've now got our eyes on the worship and we're, we're missing something. And so what he said to the church, he says, what I'm going to do is this. For a, a time, we are not going to have a worship team. We're going to shut down the sound system. We're going to shut down the lights and the smoke and everything. And all we're going to do is gather together, meet with God, and we're going to sing a cappella. Oh man, Matt thought, what a bold thing. He had a bunch of, like the church's primary youth and young adults, because it was a soul survivor. It was like, this is worship. And he said, we're going to do this. And Matt thought, wow, this is bold. Now, but the other thing is, he is so used to. He said, I'm so used to worship as a thousand people. And he goes, but he felt, the, he remembers the first time they did it. And it was so awkward. Like, this is worship. This is what I came for. And then this is what happened is he, uh, he actually started to question. He said, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm the worship pastor. Why am I even, like, I don't even know why I'm, what, what am I? What, what is this? Because his life had become about worship. It was about this element and this is then where he came and he, as he was going through this, this song came to him. And so one day when they were after they'd gone a couple months, he comes up and he just sang this song and the church broke because they were learning how to worship again. I'll bring you more than a song for a song is not, it's not what you require. You are looking much deeper than this. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you.
It's all about you. That is what worship is. That's what Matt is, was longing for, and that's what we sing. And so as we close, I want to, but I want to give you three thoughts. I want you to ask this this week. The first question is put up on the board for me there, Ben. Lord, am I worshiping you? Lord, how can, how can I be a person who truly worships you this week in spirit and in truth? How can you bring him more than a song? If you need to write that down, please, or take a photo. You have homework this week. Because <laughs> I, I want you to do this this week, but I want you to be able just to worship him for, as we do this song. Lord, am I worshiping you? Ask that this week. Lord, how can, you be, how can I be a person who worships you this week in spirit and in truth? Or Lord, how can, I, how can I bring you more than a song? Ask that this week. I challenge you. So we can actually worship him in a new way. Let's all stand.